Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Shall it be Queen Karen? It's time for Must Have CTV, the podcast dedicated to the sitcoms of the 20th century from I Love Lucy to News Radio. Sometimes we do dramas. I'm your TV guide, Brett White, and I'm also a senior reporter producer for Decider.com, and you also sometimes a drag queen named Barb Hardly. Uh, say hello to the killer to my stone, Ethan Kay. Hello, Ethan. Hello, Brett. I just noticed that that for the two episodes... That we've done dramas, you've been Brett. Oh, maybe that's the fun the new comedies. Thing. You are Barb. Yeah, or it's just being timed uh, to when I am emotionally unable to just spend the time to get into drag. Because <laughs> sometimes dramas just... can take a lot out of you, and it's it's you know, they're usually an hour long, where we usually watch sitcoms. Sitcoms twenty some minutes. Is yeah. it through that you know you get an A plot, a B plot, and an ad credit sting, and you're done. <laughs> I was considering doing like getting into drag during the episode, like doing my makeup while we talk. And then at the end, I'd be in drag. Uh, that could be something at some point. That could be a fun YouTube exclusive. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, Pride Month. We're very prideful. I don't know. <laughs> I'm t- in, I'm, in, 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 the, in the good way, not the seven deadly sins way. No, I'm the seven deadly sins way. Because <laughs> I'm I'm prideful in the gay way, so therefore deadly sin. Um, what are you watching? It's right a solid now? question. A lot of stuff has uh, some stuff's come back. Um, uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Just came back, and every episode is fantastic. Mm-hmm. But if we want to, if we want to introduce people to new stuff, uh, I would say that there's a an an animated show on Crunchyroll called X Plus Y which is a creepy psychological thriller about a guy who goes to an escape room and suddenly finds his entire life has turned into an escape room. And it's the episodes are short. They're only about 16, 17 minutes long. It's animated from China. And it is just, it's, it's, it's a very good drama mm. and creepy. And it's, it's very well done. And it's, it's the one this, I think this anime season that I'm like, Let's watch X plus Y. Let's watch that. And how many episodes will there be total? Is it one of those where there'll be like 500 episodes in one year? It doesn't, it doesn't (laughs) seem like that because it right now it's the, it's the first season and they are short and they're only doing uh, 12 episodes as far as I can tell. Cause I've tried to look it up to see if they're doing longer things or a second season. And you would not believe how many businesses there are called x plus y or x and y or, or kyle x y from uh, abc family <laughs> so i can't find a lot of information about the show other than it is on it seems like they have they just finished kind of like a, a mini story arc 
but I can't imagine that the show would end on that. So I'm like, fingers crossed for a 24 episode season or a two part season. Yeah. But what are you watching? I mean, you, you watch everything. Uh, I mean, in terms of things that I'm liking and not covering, I, I so uh, all of season two of The Bear came out on Thursday on FX instead of doing a weekly drop like they did for season one. It's all out at once. And so therefore, which I binged the first season after it all aired. So, you know, mm-hmm. this is how I'm used to it. But uh, yeah, I've watched the first six episodes and. Uh, it is an intense emotional uh journey. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's so um, it, it's filling the like uh the madman void in a way of like I love madman because it was about people who were were good at their jobs and like that mattered to them. And like the camaraderie you forge (laughs) with people at a job doing a thing. It was like very uh, moving to me as someone who's, I don't know, like I don't have children. I'm not going to get anything out of a family drama. (laughs) Like I get nothing. I'm soulless and heartless. No, but you know, like you you would, you yeah, yeah. So like, the bear this season they're made they're rebranding and rebuilding the restaurant and so just like watching this ragtag group of people who like last season didn't get along and have gone through so much stuff and are now like really trying to like pull together to do something bigger bigger than even the sum of all their parts is so uh emotional and cool and and yeah, and it also has a lead character who deals with um, uh, anxiety and PTSD. So I really, really <laughs> appreciate that. Uh, and it only comes into more sharper contrast or sharper, starker uh, in episode six of season two, which was a uh, emotionally exhausting tour de force. So, yeah, uh, it's a real it's also funny. <laughs> it's also funny. <laughs> It's also funny. Well, it also is just like making you stressed as hell. Um, uh, also, Megan's talked about it a little bit. Maybe it is something that we jump into. There's just like a lot of shows that we're like, oh, we got to get to that. Or we, oh, we should totally watch that. And then we sit down and we're just like, can't think of them. Yeah, I think like because like it is a half hour show, so that is good, except for season two, since it's all coming out at once, like the episodes are mostly a half hour, but episode six was an hour. Oh. Um, so it is a pretty, pretty quick binge. And I think it is uh, you get really invested. It's very yeah. it also has that Friday Night Lights like verite feel like it doesn't feel like episodes were scripted and performed so much as they were just caught on camera oh. because you know it's a lot of natural dialogue and a lot of people talking over each other and a lot of like <laughs> cameras in positions where it looks like they're catching things accidentally kind of it's it's really intense hmm. just like life baby uh just like the streets of san, san francisco. francisco uh but oh i wanted to bring up that we did get a comment on the i love lucy episode uh this past i think we haven't talked from joe cab uh, said he loved the episode. I uh, didn't even know you have a YouTube channel. We do go there. Uh, it's more visually interesting when I'm dressed as a woman. So, you know, mileage may vary. Uh, but guess what? 
Don Juan, the movie that Ricky Ricardo moved to L.A. to make, never got made. Metro ends up shelving the movie, but are nice enough to find other work for Ricky to do to finish his contract and keep them out in California for a while longer. Which, yeah, that, that seems right. Um, I so should... he, gets, he gets bit parts around Hollywood, just like <laughs> like in Pee Wee's Big Adventure, he's at the hotel desk paging Mr. Herman. Mr. Yeah. Herman. <laughs> got to burn off that <laughs> that contract. Um, paging Mr. Ricardo. Paging Mr. Ricardo <laughs> to the front desk. But yeah, uh, gotta love it. Gotta love Lucy. Um, but yes, this week we are traveling to the streets of San Francisco on February 1st, 1973. The Poseidon Adventure ruled the box office. Crocodile Rock by Elton John topped the charts. And ABC uh, aired the Streets of San Francisco episode, A Collection of Eagles. Ethan, you must have seen a collection of eagles before today. Believe me, believe me <laughs> when I tell you, I had not heard of Streets of San Francisco until we were coming up with episodes for <laughs> for this show, where we looked at the Wikipedia page for homosexual content in 1970s TV, which it does exist. Uh, oh yeah, well, and, it's a lot. And this one popped up as it was interesting, but also because of the of the guest stars. Yeah, And then when I started looking at the guest stars, I started looking at the regular cast and it's like, okay, so it's anchored by Carl Malden and uh, Michael Douglas, the Michael Douglas. Yeah. And the guest stars are Joseph Cotton, uh, John Saxon and Jamie Farr. Yeah. Jamie Farr in it for a hot second. Yeah. it. it I'd never heard of this show because... Um, dramas just didn't dramas didn't play in reruns the way that yeah. sitcoms did and so growing up in the 80s and 90s you just never saw old dramas i mean even like hill street blues and saint elsewhere are kind of like the two like prototypical doctor and cop shows that yeah i knew existed but they i don't they didn't run on nick at night i think they might have run on tv land is that because and i'm spitballing is that because it's easier to sell advertising space for a half hour TV show than it is for an hour? I would, I would assume because you can get more bang for your buck in a half hour. Yeah, uh, you, might, you might find more people that will sit through half an hour of Lucy yeah. than for an entire hour of Streets of San Francisco. I will say so the one drama that I do remember Nick at Night playing and watching just because it was on was the fucking White Shadow. Oh, Ken Howard. The yeah, like the uh, yeah, the the I'm a basketball coach in an inner city. I'm a white professional basketball player who is forced to retire from the Chicago Bulls of the NBA after suffering a severe knee in injury. So he takes a job as the head basketball coach at a mostly black and Hispanic urban high school in South Central Los Angeles. And that is like the one drama. I don't know why they picked that one. That's what, and it only <laughs> lasted three seasons, 54 three episodes. Se yeah, very, so yeah, I, that was the extent of my drama knowledge. So it was well remembered. I, I, I never saw it at, because it came on before I was born and it only aired <laughs> in reruns for a very limited amount of time. Yeah. Um, but I am familiar with it. Just looking so, up to Ken Howard. Yeah, I, I didn't even, I, so I didn't know Street of Streets of San Francisco existed, uh, and I think also probably because they did not make a 90s um, movie about it. They did make because a movie. That was, 
They did make a movie, like a, a made-for-TV movie version of the show, but this was after Michael Douglas had left. So mm-hmm. Michael, it ran five seasons. Michael Douglas did four seasons, and then they replaced him. I, who did I? I don't, I don't think I wrote. Um, they replaced him with Paul Rudd. Paul uh, Richard Hatch, who did ba- uh, Battlestar Galactica. Battlestar Galactica, not the winner of Survivor season one. <laughs> so they replaced him for one season with Richard Hatch, and they and they brought in Michael Douglas's daughter or the character's daughter, um, and then the, for the movie. Michael Douglas wasn't there, but his daughter was, and Richard Hatch was there. So weird. Well, it is and also re- weird to think of like at this point, Michael Douglas is just Kirk Douglas's son. He's got a TV show. And right in the middle of it, the the thing that changed his career was he produced One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and oh, in doing gosh. so, he he went from being uh, Kirk Douglas's son to being. Hollywood player Michael Douglas, but not even for acting, not even for acting. It doesn't come until like 15 years after this episode airs when he becomes the, Oh, you, you have a big, like a midsize budget erotic thriller. Gotta have Michael Douglas in it. Like this just (laughs) basic instinct, uh, fatal attraction, at least those, I mean, those two are enough. <laughs> yeah, Fatal Attraction was the first one that I that I can remember being like, okay, not that I remember, but the earliest film that I can remember him being in that was, I mean, he's, he's done some great films. Uh, for Damon my money, and the Wasp. You Can't Beat the Game. Uh, oh, the game yeah. such a fantastic film. I really want to watch that one again. I liked, oh yeah, I mean, so Wall Street, he was in Wall Street. And that's yeah. an 80, the 80s romancing the stone 80s were 80s was his decade yeah uh and then and now it is interesting that in this episode of streets of san francisco i mean he's probably the age that hank pym is in the avengers endgame flashbacks because <laughs> they flash back to the 70s he's older than carl malden was in the streets of san francisco it's yeah. the it's the there's very little premise it's a cop show set and shot in san francisco so i mean that's unique in and of itself. Not, not a lot of shows were shot completely on location like that, that weren't LA or New York. Yeah. And it was an older cop and a younger cop. And they were kind of like detectives. Yeah. <laughs> and the one thing that they don't talk about in any of the synopses is that uh, they hate each other. <laughs> the one thing I can, really? I can tell you from like the, their relationship is just like Carl Malden is always giving Michael Douglas shit for everything. I mean, at one point he jokes that that Michael Douglas might even be the killer in this episode. He (laughs) jokes like you're afraid to roll up your sleeves after they find out that the killer will have scratch marks. And it's like, Jesus, get off his back, Carl Malden. There's there's one point where where they go out to eat and Malden's like, how much I owe you? And he's like, ah, don't worry about it. And then he gets really angry, goes. Who gave you a raise? Yeah. Are you getting this money? <laughs> Malton's ridiculously abusive to, to he's Michael a, Douglas, who speaks like this all the time. He's a very, it's a very like film noir cop and a 70s modern cop who does the crossword puzzle <laughs> and stuff like that. Uh, <laughs> but this week on Must Have TV, we're talking about the Streets of San Francisco episode, A Collection of Eagles not an eagle to be seen in the episode. It is the 17th episode of season one and was written by Robert Eiholt and directed by Walter Grauman. Here's how IMDb describes the episode. A green consumed 
Numis, numismatist 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 plots to switch a wealthy collector's gold and double eagle coins with counterfeits using and abusing his trusting accomplices along the way ethan how accurate is that description completely accurate yeah that's it except they don't mention that those accomplices are people he is definitely fucking and they are a woman and a man yes and that's why it fits in with this month's pride uh pride tv theme yeah, and this so like this whole episode is very couched in the like I don't even know if John Saxon's character is queer so much as just a psychopath. <laughs> like I think he I don't think he has a sexual orientation outside of I want money and I will kill and use anyone to get it. <laughs> he yeah. does not have any romantic feelings towards any other human being. I have to I have to say that when when I saw John Saxon's name attached to this, it rang every alarm bell being like, we got to watch this episode. I love John Saxon. He I, yeah, I mean, he's one awesome. of those guys who he shows up in all sorts of stuff. And I'm always like, oh, yeah, that that dude. I mean, uh, Enter the Dragon. Is he was in... Enter the Dragon. Yeah, that's where in... I last saw him. He was in two of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. He was he was uh, the villain in the first in the pilot episode of the A-Team Oh, right. Yeah. Well, but he so did a he, lot of like 70s and 80s TV, just a lot of it. He is like you will know him when you see him because he looks like a uh, a totally jacked skull. <laughs> like <laughs> he is so like his head looks like a skull with like hair and kind of a comb over uh, on it and like perfect eyebrows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he is so buff. He, his character in this episode is not like a physical threat at all. He's just like, he's a numismatist or whatever. He's a collector. He's a, he's a coin nerd. Um, so he just wearing, he's just wearing turtlenecks the entire episode, but you can fucking see his biceps and pecs like through yes. the turtlenecks the entire episode. And it's like, God, he is huge. I will say that I, I am married. To I am uh, fairly cisgender, but you know what, John Saxon. I mean, I would fuck John Saxon. Your mind, God. I mean, he's just like, yeah, he's just uh, God. He's just a hunk of man. <laughs> he, 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 he he plays angry. He plays sinister. He plays devious. I have never seen him play funny. I have never seen him play comedy. You can you only ever see him play fake funny and fake comedy when he's trying to connive someone into doing something. Yeah, I mean, so that also plays into like another trope of this episode is like bisexual people will trick you. Like that's the other kind of <laughs> conceit that this falls under. Of like, he's double, he's two timing. I'm just looking at John Saxon's shirtless pics in uh, Google right now. Lots of speedos. We appreciate this. We we salute you, John Saxon. John Saxon knew what he had. He was also like, a hand model. He started out as a hand model. Oh, like George Costanza. <laughs> and then uh, he, for, for a while, he was acting, he was he constantly acted. He was a, mo- he started out as a model. And later in his career, he's like, now I'm older. I will also model. So he, he, ke- he kind of kept that going. He died three years ago. 2020 RIP John Saxon. I got lots of information about that for, I guess later. Um, But the episode opens with the most 
stereotypical or eight or um prototypical or the 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 consummate seventies cop show opening. <laughs> that theme song is the de- definition of watch 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 As you see, Great. it just smash cuts of different parts of San Francisco. There's no people, there's no characters. It's just San Francisco Francisco, zooming in, zooming in. But then they also have like all these uh, like striped line transitions and it's like the street. And there's like the narrator who sounds like he's narrating like 80s G.I. Joe toy commercials. He's like (laughs) the streets of San Francisco, a Quinn Martin production. Yes, it is a Quinn Martin production known for The Fugitive. Known uh, for, um Barnaby Jones, the FBI long series that lasted in the 70s. Um, and his only film, The Mephisto Waltz. Uh, yeah, so it is very like uh it, it's very cop, like you know what you're getting. Yeah. And I mean, I'm on board. <laughs> well, and and I also it has a couple of shots where it's just the uh they they mount the camera behind the police siren. As it's driving through, as the car is driving through the uh, the streets, like the old um, naked gun police squad. Oh, God. Well, and also I like they actually like label the act breaks with like the streets of San Francisco. Act one, act two, epilogue even. Every time uh, I, the, I wrote that down, I had an exclamation point in my notes. Three. <laughs> that's what it felt like. Uh, the episode opens with Jamie Farr from MASH, uh, another he was the uh, cross-dresser on MASH. I think that's not a derogatory term. That is what he was, because he was just trying to get out of the army. Uh, I think we're, this, this month we are we are shining lights on various different aspects of the queer experience. <laughs> yeah, like, like uh, trying to get out of the... Which is not... Um, was not... Uh, was not... Gay people did not like it when other gay people used being gay to get out of service in the 1940s. So I that's that is a thing I have learned in my research. So like because yeah, serve your serve your country, motherfuckers. Um <laughs> that that was the that was the vibe. Like what are you doing? Uh so yeah, like so Jamie Farr is playing a like small-time criminal who has come back from Mexico because as we find out, he's like did he buy all these gold Planchettes, planchettes, planchettes. They're, they're little, uh, they're unstamped coins made of gold. Yeah. Uh, I, I have how much they're worth somewhere here, um, but they're cheap. They're they're little cheap things. Uh, they're worth about sixty five dollars back then, four hundred eighty eight dollars today. Wow, that's just unstamped. Um, I did a lot of inflation Coin research later. Wait, so just just the act of stamping them increases their value that much? Yeah, because otherwise it's just raw gold. It's, I mean, okay, wow, man. Or a gold. What will you fix value to, he says, looking at (laughs) 5,000 comic books. So we find out, like, Jamie Farr calls, like, the plan that we find out is John Saxon is a pneumatumatist, a pneumonuma guy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he is trying to basically like scam. There's like a billionaire coin collector whose coins are just sitting under glass. And so he is going to switch out those coins, take the real ones, leave some fake ones. And he's going to make fake ones by using these planchettes from Mexico and That's stamping exactly. them. 
That's the plot. He's not yeah. he's not breaking any windows. He's not, you know, killing anybody yet. Um, but he is that that's the plan. And he's got two accomplices. One is Tommy. Tommy is played by William Gray Espy. Uh, he was mostly a soap opera actor. Oh, yeah, I can tell that that face. Was he <laughs> was he really gay? I didn't need to look all that up. I don't know. That's a solid. Uh, I, I couldn't find a lot of information about him that didn't really look. Uh, and his other accomplice is Karen, played by Belinda Montgomery. Um, she did a lot of TV. She was in Tron Legacy, um, the other side of the mountain, which is something from the seventies. Um, so, but he's playing them against each other because she doesn't know that he is hooking up with Tommy. And Tommy doesn't know that he is hooking up with Karen. Yeah. He's giving them both the baby. Once we get these, we'll get out it's of the country. And me. It's you and me all the way to Spain. And so like the opening scene of is of the two of them and Tommy. Yeah. And, and uh, John Saxon is giving Tommy an insulin shot because he's diabetic. And it's a, the most sensual insulin shot. I mean, it's almost like a stand in for. I mean, he's penetrating him. So like, yeah. like there's a lot of like facial expressions and a lot of like longing looks at each other, like knowing looks, which is about all you can get. Yeah. And apparently. 70s TV. And 70... it, he touches his arm at one yeah. point. I think well, that... he's got to give him the shot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Should have gave him a shot in the ass. Uh, <laughs> but so why is he using Tommy? What is he using Tommy for? That's a good question. What is he using to? Oh, because because he needs someone to go to Jamie Farr's Flophouse Hotel uh, room, which he paid cash for. Um, to he needs someone to steal the planchettes. Yeah, uh, I looked this up. I because I look up those stupid little details. Jamie Farr calls John Saxon and says, "I'm at two o seven Front Street." In the Embar uh, Embarcadero Hotel. Ooh. And so I've looked it up. And it does exist. Oh. It is in the Embarcadero district. Uh, it is one block away. Currently, it is one block away from the Japanese consulate. Uh, <laughs> and, and about five to six minutes away from two amazing tiki bars, the Tonga Room and Pagan Idol. <laughs> but well, it's an area it, I've been to. Yeah. Has it, is it a more expensive place to stay now? Uh, yeah, it's not a hotel. I think it's a bank now. I mean, at the time, oh, okay. he probably knows, just gave yeah. like an address. He wasn't, it wasn't like an actual hotel. Um, but where they said it was, is now, uh, like a citizen's bank or something like that. So he goes, so Tommy goes and like Jamie Farr is in the shower and Tommy like picks up the bag and like gets all the planchettes, planchettes out. But then like Jamie Farr comes out of the shower and so this smash, this like transition blew my mind because last we see Tommy's like got a pillow. And as Jamie Farr comes out of the bathroom, he like, like, you know, puts the pillow over his head and like pulls him into the bathroom. Cut to the next scene. They're investigating the hotel room, which has been burnt to a crisp. <laughs> burnt to <laughs> like, a crisp. Like, I mean, like nuked. Like the bed is a pile of ashes. <laughs> Which is great set dressing. <laughs> like, like, like anyone can set like I, we need a dirty hotel full. Then the, the next thing would be like, now we need it burnt to a crisp. Like God, like 
it, it it's one of those like you're expecting them to just like stick their hand in the bed and just pull up a bunch of ashes and they all just fall <laughs> out but yeah and so while they're there they're like oh this is another cigarette in the bed thing and they're like oh you know they, they don't know it's a homicide yet until my is it michael douglas finds a stray planchette yeah that and we see it kind of where Tommy's going through the bag and putting and and putting some of the the planchettes in his in his pocket and, and he drops a couple of them and he was able to pick a couple up and then the other one just you know, um he lost one but we get to see um <laughs> we get to see uh them yell at each other for a while yeah um, well they they also they find a gun but the gun has been burnt up as well so they don't have the serial number and. and- and when Carl Malden shows it to uh, Michael Michael Douglas and goes, put your young eyes on it. Oh, yeah. God. And I also like Carl Malden throughout the entire thing is wearing a fedora and an overcoat and a lot of vests. And like he yep. just looks like he's been pulled out of the Maltese Falcon. And he hates which... everybody. He talks down to everybody. He's 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 unpleasant to watch. I think um, except for the uh, the scientists later on or the the crime scientists, like, doesn't he say, like, you might be a pretty good policeman because he like, I don't know. Yeah. After he like talks down to him, like, yeah. and, like <laughs> he keeps doing things in the lab, like, move over. Let me do this. <laughs> like, yeah. Let me take a look at this. <laughs> so like, he doesn't trust people to do their jobs. Honestly, the two unlikable characters are not the murderer, not the thief, not not the enemy. No, yeah, it, they are the, they are our protagonists. Yeah, completely <laughs> unlikable. Yeah, honestly. So, like, we then go. We then now are introduced to the uh, the Mark, the Mark, uh, who is uh, what is his uh, his, his name's James, name. but he's played by James <laughs> Cotton. Uh, John R. James, played by Joseph Cotton. Joseph Cotton, famous for uh, Citizen Kane, The Third Mm -hmm. Man, Gaslight, and my favorite, Abominable Dr. Fibes, where he played Mm. the protagonist um, in one of, in 100% my favorite Vincent Price film. Not wearing the t-shirt, wearing Creature from the Black Lagoon today, (laughs) but uh, I almost almost wore another vibe shirt that I have, but I opted not to. (laughs) But he's an old geezer. He's a nice man. I like him. He's an old man. man. He's a rich man, so maybe he isn't that nice. Who knows? Uh, And he wears ascots and neckerchiefs, so I like that. Um, He also appears to be single, so maybe the character's gay. Joseph Cotton was not. Um, Uh, He was... He, he, we don't understand exactly what he his job is that he is a millionaire. See, I don't think he's a billionaire yet. I think this is the years where billionaire was still theoretical. Oh yeah, the good multimillionaire. Times. Thank you. <laughs> but he, he he talks about like working at the university, um, yeah, and part of being part of the English department. Where I'm like, you're not a millionaire if you work in an English department. Did, were things different back then? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, were, so like the. The Barbara Hershey, what the, what is her name? She's at the her, Montgomery, right? Uh, but yeah, her Belinda name is Mon- Karen Pearson. Belinda Montgomery, yeah. As Karen Pearson is uh, someone from the English department that they sent over because he's working on his like memoirs or whatever. And he's like yeah. dictating stories to her and she's writing them down. And he went like what he, she wants the story, the book to be more about his life and not about his wealth. Because yeah. according to her, she's like, everyone knows how you acquired your wealth. I mean, we don't, um, <laughs> but we want to know about your life. 
being but part of the best damn English department in the country in San yeah. Francisco. But so like what we find out later on is that so she she was sent to do this uh, uh under goodwill. I mean like th- that is all true. Like she was sent and she was she's his house guest. And then months ago the numa numa numerologist numa tumatist <laughs> John Saxon came Please just over. Call him not John Saxon. He not, doesn't have another name. Wait, what is his name? His name's like Hobgood or something. Hagopian. Like Vince Hagopian. Hagopian. Vincent so, yeah, Hagopian Jr. His father Vincent was Hagopian. also When Vincent Hagopian Jr. came over months ago, he like saw this impressionable young, um, simple woman. I think they call her later. They call her simple at one point. Well, she could never do it. She's very simple. She's very simple. Jesus. And so he basically was like, oh, cool. I can 100% manipulate this lady to be my woman inside. And yeah. he does it very, I mean, like when the episode starts, she is in. She's head over heels for this guy. Yeah. Uh, he promises that they're going to go to Spain with all this money. Um, Costa del Sol. In particularly, uh, in particular, uh, so so we we get the this this nice little chat between Karen and James. Um, he's he just seems like a very nice old man. I mean, yeah. there's nothing. Um, <laughs> so we're talking. He's we're doing another calculation. He says that the coins that he has on display, the double eagles, the gold double eagles are worth a half a million dollars. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to, we're going to play a game. How much do you think that is in today money? I mean, a billion. I'm is sorry. Too much. No, it's way too much. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, you know, uh, 500, a half a million. So like 50 million. It's less than that. It's 3.75 million. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. So the coins themselves, three point seven five million million. I mean, that's I mean, that's worth stealing if you're just a you're just a lowly local coin dude. Yeah, he lives in this like big palatial estate that has staff like he has. He has a house guest who helps him out and a housekeeper, at least one housekeeper. Oh, right. Yeah, he's he's in a wheelchair. So there's he's he's kind of limited to the rooms that he that they show him in. But Joseph Cotton himself was not in a wheelchair. It's just this character. <laughs> Yeah. And so after that, like, you know, the cops like realize, oh, this is a planchette. <laughs> this is, oh, okay, this is a planchette. It's worth XYZ. They're like starting to get onto like, well, obviously, like, this is something more than just a guy smoking a cigarette in bed. <laughs> and also, the gun had the serial number filed down. So that kind yeah. of like clued them in that something was up with this guy. And so then uh, is when. Uh, what's her name? God, Karen Pierce. There were so many fucking names. Karen Pearson comes to the coin place and she interrupts uh, Hagopian showing Tommy how you make counterfeit coins. And Tommy looks at her heartbroken or angry, like a mix of just like, (gasps) it's, it's oof. Yeah, and the way that, that John Saxon plays it off is that Tommy is just a guy to help out a little. Yeah, which I mean, he's helping out, but then to, to you know, he's so sensitive with Tommy. It's also just like, I mean, not to trash Karen Pearson, but what are you, what are you thinking? Like, she's thinking she's she, she's seen those pictures of John Saxon in the speedo. I mean, I guess, yeah, but also like he, well, maybe it's because we know he's evil, 
but it's just also like, man, he's so obviously smarmy and up to something, <laughs> especially because you are living currently with a millionaire. <laughs> but uh, you know, whatever. I, I'll I'll forgive Kira Pearson. She is a simple woman. Uh, um, so he's minting the double eagles, which would come to uh, each one is worth fifteen thousand dollars. That's got to be. It's one hundred and twelve thousand oh, dollars now. Coin, a coin, a coin. Jeez. Um, no, I don't know if the value of coins has has you know kept up with inflation. Maybe it is more. Maybe it is less. I I don't know. I'll tell you, know, you, I got my Miles Morales first appearance over there, and that's my most ex- like most valuable comic. So I I hate you for that because I missed out on that Ultimate Fallout number four. I wasn't reading the ultimate books and I missed out on the first appearance of Miles Morales. I got the first appearance of Spider-Gwen. Oh, yeah. Which is pretty good. And I just, I found out yesterday that I I looked it up. I have the first appearance of Silk. Oh. Uh, She's getting her own TV series. Good. She's conspicuously absent from Mm -hmm. the Spider-Verse movies, which is very weird. Um, Yeah, so like, we get to see a lot of John Saxon playing the smooth talker, smooth talking both of these people. And so, like, I'm trying to think, put myself into the TV viewer's mind of 1973. Uh, yeah. Is the subtext with Tommy latent enough to make mom and dad in Idaho understand what's going on? Yeah, I think I think it's obvious that that they're a a couple. It doesn't seem like it seems like a very lopsided couple. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tommy. Tommy seems kind of s- simple like he's Karen simple was. too yeah he's simple too uh john saxon's kind of slick he can kind of take take advantage of tommy but my guess is that he was with tommy first yeah uh yeah uh, yeah i because he does even i don't well i mean now it's like i don't know what to believe with mr the vogel thorpe agopian the agopian the numismatist these weird what is a star wars um but no like i you know i can't trust him at all but when he says he tells tommy like she's just a means to an end or something i believe that maybe because i wanted hagopian and tommy to be otp but he kills tommy so you know all lies he does does kill tommy um he doubles that insulin if there's anything that um that happens in between, okay. So Tommy overhears John Saxon say that he loves Karen. Yeah. So he's upset. Yeah. And that's he, not and, good. Sa- and Saxon has to be like, no, no, no. He's just a means to an end. Um. So he's like, oh, it's time for your insulin, and gives eighty units. Um. It's very like <laughs> dramatic too, because he's like, that's too much. <laughs> I had wrote it down. Vince, that's too much. <laughs> and then he does. It's a great line read. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, so like he's, he's got to kill him because this is the witness to like this is how he got the plechettes and also killed Jamie the, Farr. Killed killed Jamie Farr. We and the cops know that Jamie Farr was murdered and did not die in the fire because there was no smoke in the lungs. He oh, was yeah. dead beforehand. But there's a telltale clue that um, far scratched Tommy mm-hmm. on the arm when um, he was yeah. when they were fighting with the pillow. So the cops are looking out for a guy 
well, they could they they could test the hair and the skin and not DNA, but they're like, he's a white guy with blonde hair, 30s to 40s. Yeah. Um, they could test they could test the cells. And Malden's um, like, well, that rules out me and the doctor who is a black man. And then he looks at Michael Douglas and is like, what about you? Let's see those four. It's very, I mean, it's obviously a, a joke, but it's still just like, God, he really loves fucking with his partner. And it never feels playful. It always feels mean spirited. It feels it, angry. Just it like just her. yeah. It just it feels like it would be just exhausting to be Michael Douglas's character. Like even earlier when he says like, "Oh, it's a planchette," and Carl uh, Mullins like, "How do you know that?" Where he's like, "It's used a lot in crossword puzzle clues." You got time to do crosswords? It's like God. And if you, if you want to see something completely di- a different side of him. Uh, the only other thing that I've seen him in is Dario Argento's uh, Cat of Nine Tales, oh. where he plays like a very friendly, nurturing grandfather, just nice guy. <laughs> like, uh. He's completely different. So I guess you could say that Carl Malden has some acting chops. Oh, yeah. But here he's just he's just mad at especially Michael Douglas, <laughs> but usually anyone else who's in the room. I honestly like the the doc, the forensics guy. I'm like, he should be one of the leads. Like, he was great. He was all through this episode. This yeah, I liked him. Back to him, he's like, you know. What do you need now? Okay, here's yeah, your answer. They're like, they're like what, what, what is this planchette? He's like, oh, I'll just walk over to my bookshelf, get a couple books that I have on uh, antique coins, and uh, I'll just pass them over to you guys. Bring them back when you have a chance. I will say that is the most. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I just kept thinking about, like, God, before the internet. I mean, honestly, better times. Wish we still lived in them at this point. Uh, (laughs) But just, like, how this entire episode is built on, like, uh, thank God we got all these books on antique coins laying around. Like, we can (laughs) identify these. How much are they worth? It's just like, man, being a cop had to be even harder. Just think of all the stuff that, like, just, like, imagine you're a lab tech and you just you're trying to like you know fill your bookshelf with all the things you'll need. I might How often need this. does like you know coin values come up in your in your planning where you're like I need a I need a book on coin values. Yeah, I need two because he gave he had huh. a couple books. They were easy to find. The bookshelf wasn't big. Uh, a lot was, of coin based crimes in San Francisco in the seventies. I have you know I've never seen any of the other episodes of Streets of San Francisco, so you might be right. All yeah, these no. be coin crimes. And you got to imagine with the internet, John Saxon would have been able to find, like, yeah. you know, uh, hookups a lot easier. Also, accomplices, pat, uh, pad, patsies, scapegoats. What would John Saxon do with the dark web? Oh God! I mean, I think he's. I mean, I think he's doing it. I think he'd be selling a lot of <laughs> other things. 
maybe <laughs> some human trafficking, maybe. I mean, he is terrifying. I think like he's an intense individual in this episode. Yeah, yeah I would cross him. He is very intense. He played villains a lot. Yeah, <laughs> he played and so, he played cops and villains a lot. <laughs> What is what? Wait, what is next? And then, yeah, they're uh... so act oh. three. Well, they 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 find out that like Jamie, they like identify who Jamie Farr's character is. Like, don't they yeah. say like he had like um paint from a Mexican boat on his boot or something? Yeah, it was it was very weird. They figured out who he was. I don't I don't figure out. I didn't write down how they figured out who it was. Yeah. I think it had to do with like uh, oh it was the gun. They do the thing where even though the serial numbers filed off, you put some yes. chemicals on it. That was wild. Light and you can see that. So they were able to link the gun to Jamie Farr. That's who identified the body. But they yeah. also discover there's another body. Are they oh, yeah, linked? The, the, well, this body that they found in the in the in the water uh, has a big scratch on his arm, and he's a white guy, age you know, 20 to 40 with blonde Good twink hair. age. Yeah. <laughs> Would you consider Tommy a twink? I think he's probably a seventies twink. Yeah. Okay. He's, he's thin. Uh, he's good looking. Uh, but like in the seventies, you're probably not going to get as, um, svelte and twinky. A, yeah. A, a physique or attitude as like the seventies, even the twinks still got to be a little bit Marlboro man. Like, I'd say he's more, he was more Marlboro Man than Twink. He had he had a big head with a square jaw yeah, and like long flowing hair. hair, like a big a big just like thing on his shoulders. Maybe he's so, an I, otter. I don't understand all these things. Uh, <laughs> we do find an interesting so like the interesting the thing that Mister James is mo is actually passionate about are his roses. He's been working for generations crossbreeding these roses to make like. Red roses with like yellow interiors or buds or whatever yeah. the words are. And yeah. Karen is so taken with them. And it's just like, oh, this. And and during this scene, our our man is wearing a jaunty as fuck neckerchief and also kind of holding his little uh like snippers in a little dainty way. I don't know. Yeah. I was like, this is another gay icon in this episode. <laughs> I I you know, not knowing a lot about the show. But also knowing that you know San Francisco, even San Francisco, the, time, was considered the home of TC Jones. Yeah, so it's like, is I how many other episodes of Streets of San Francisco? There are with... more. There's at least there's more than one because okay. on that list there were at least like yeah two or three or four. So <laughs> I did love both of their wardrobes though, like Michael Douglas wearing a lot of gray suits, big collars, dark blue shirts, and I don't know. I mean. I don't want to say I find Carl Malden attractive, but like, go ahead. The way that he's wearing these like gumshoe outfits, <laughs> how it's pretty hot. Carl Malden. <laughs> he's got kind of like a hot, like a hot old boxer kind of look to him. Yeah. His nose is kind of like, it looks like it's probably been broken a couple times. Like, like a Ted Grant kind of. He's wild. always like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Um, I wrote that Malden is mad at Douglas for dot, 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 paying for lunch. <laughs> God, Man, um, it must be exhausting being his partner. Yeah, they they finished lunch. And then this also blew my mind. They go to their car, the yeah. cop car with the radio that's parked there 
with the windows open. Man, just seventies. Leave everything. Who cares? No one's gonna steal nothing. Malden reaches through the window and 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 calls like someone on the radio. I'm just like, you're in San Francisco, big city. Not a great, you know, not a safe town. Yeah. Uh, and you parked your car with the windows open. Your cop car with the windows open. Yeah, this is you know how it goes. So then we get, uh, you know, they find out that the scratches belong to the the you know, link all that together. And Karen starts getting cold feet. Because uh, our man, uh, James, Jimmy James, whatever the fuck his name is. <laughs> uh, but he, he like inferred that he doesn't own the coins anymore. Yeah. Well, they don't belong to me. My pride yeah. is the roses. Yeah. And it, it, she finds out basically like, oh, well, I've left, you know, when, when I die, the coins will go to the university, which they will then auction off to like make money for the et cetera. And she's just like, also, she's kind of just like this sweet old man loves his roses and I feel bad for him. <laughs> the uh, but, so we'll go. Did ahead. you buy did you buy? So like this, this is a kind of like where we get John Saxon, Vogelthorpe, whatever, hot Gopian, yeah, whatever. I was just about we, to, to get this. He, we that, get his like villain origin or his motive, which is like his dad ran the coin shop and he grew up seeing his father like grade and value all these coins for rich people who would then leave and put the coins in plastic and never do anything with them while we lived in poverty or whatever. And yeah. so he's like, that coin collection is just sitting under glass. He's not even using it. I want to see the world. But do we buy yeah. it? That's that he's uh, we hear that from from James Cotton uh saying that oh no i'm sorry i take that back this this is another karen and and saxon moment um because i was going to say that once they realize that they're that someone's going to be counterfeiting these coins with all these planchettes yeah the police have to call in but the only guy in town who knows coins vincent hagopian jr played by john saxon yeah very colombo they're investigating the criminal about the crime he committed so he they bring him in and he he has all the answers. He is he is slick as snot. He is mm-hmm. oily and just he controls the room. He's great. Yeah, I would have sex with all three of these men. John Saxon, <laughs> call me. Carl Malden, uh, Michael Douglas. I did have a crush on Michael Douglas when I was a kid. <laughs> just one of those, you know, didn't understand them feelings. Um. I mean, but also pop culture wanted me to. He was in all the erotic thrillers that I was seeing commercials <laughs> for as a six year old. Uh, but yeah, I. So, yeah, they, they bring him in and they, you know, it's a tense scene. Because yeah. we know what they don't know yet. And he's he's talking very smart. He's talking about one of the double eagles is a special one it's worth it sold at auction for twenty two thousand five hundred dollars mm-hmm. which in today's money would be two hundred and thirty one thousand one hundred and seventy seven dollars jesus man so like they're also so there's a there's a loss of a lot of chalkboard action in this for some reason i was getting very hung up on the like pre-computers this is what they had to do and just like Michael Douglas having to write, honestly, just like hundreds of numbers and like coin the, the names he writes down. Well, he they ask Kagopian who would have these coins, and he says, 
I could compile a list of everyone in San Francisco who would who would have coins like these, or it might have even been uh, nationwide. So Hagopian leaves, John Saxon leaves, and we later see. Um, oh yeah, we get a scene in the middle where Saxon and Karen get together. Um, uh, that he that that he that he demands that Karen open the case and she's <laughs> like oh but they don't belong to him he, he's such an old nice old man he's like you better do it he's very mean um but malden keeps thinking that the <laughs> he keeps thinking that the market is only san francisco for these coins and that's where that's where john saxon's like oh we'll get you a list of all the coin dealers who might have double eagles in the area um it, it was a little weird that malden was only thinking san francisco like these, this per- people, people it's, couldn't have it's come here work. from another town to do this. More leave work, it. yeah. To do it. So, oh, so they they have the list that that John Saxon gives them, and they're they're still looking around, and they look and they see that they can they found out who bought this super rare double eagle, the one worth twenty two thousand five hundred dollars, and notices that that name of the Joseph Cotton is not on the list that john saxon gave uh, why would he leave it off why would he leave the most prominent point collector off of this because he plans on robbing him um it, I, I, I had to double, i did feel i had to double i, I had to double check because i like it didn't make sense to me yeah so i had to watch the scene again i'm like oh that's okay then I I felt bad for Karen like this scene like there's so they're get, she's so close to this sweet old gay man and <laughs> the scene where she's like locking the thing and she like minds locking it but it she doesn't lock the case and, it's and like, she opens oh. she unlocks the back door unlocks the back door and it's like Karen but then he t- then uh, Joseph Cotton tells her this sob story that he had he was given this rare double eagle by his uncle when he was a kid. He was seven years old, and he got this rare because his his uncle was a coin collector, and his uncle wanted uh, him uh, him to start this coin collection. And what does he do? He sells it. Dun dun dun. Yeah, a and then kid. he becomes a coin collector to try to get it all back. And then like, he finally finds the the one coin that he owned as a kid up for auction the super rare one and he, he that's why he, he he buys it and that's why i think he's kind of like ready to just wash his hands of the whole thing donate them to the english department yeah i've stopped collecting i'm only interested in my roses and while he's telling this sob story we see john saxon for some reason he's stealing the coins while wearing like a sport coat and turtleneck like he's still like he doesn't wear dressed for going any yeah, yeah, it's like, man, shouldn't you be wearing? I mean, like, we're talking ski mask. We're talking any nope. He's just like, wow, I nope. went to dinner and I'm gonna go rob this old man. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna hide this face. No, no, absolutely not. John Saxon. My physique is recognizable no matter what I'm wearing <laughs> because it bulges through no matter what. Yes. I did, I did like that. Uh, our our Joseph Cotton is wearing a jaunty neckerchief. Always love, but then also like a. Ronald McDonald like crayon red <laughs> sport coat. God. Oh, and this is where he tells her he's like, you know, my real passion is the roses and the roses deserve a better name than my own. And I was thinking 
What if I call them the Queen Karen Rose? What do you think? She gets up and leaves. She can't handle this. Guilty. She has such a guilty conscience. She she leaves and she's going to go lock the case and tell John Saxon it's off. She wants to be a Rose and she gets there and the case is locked. He's already been there. He's already done his work. He's exactly. swapped out the real coins with the counterfeit coins and he is out the door. It's what you knew would happen, Karen, the original Karen. <clears throat> <laughs> but that's that's when the cops are our our favod couples show up and, and they say you're a target. The news. You're a target. He's like, no, nonsense. The coins are all in there. Yeah. And then look, look at these like small, like uh, stress marks or whatever. W- yes. Would those be on or an original? No, they would not. Dude, you've been scammed. Oh, you got Saxon. You got Saxon. Oh. <laughs> And I'm just imagining him with like Ashton Kutcher hair and like an air horn. Um, well, and this, this is where the this nice old man says like, well, she wouldn't do any of this. She's such a simple girl. <laughs> like, go or go easy on her. She's so simple. It's like, God. She's but an Karen, English. She's from the English department. She's here she's writing just, your memoir. She's just a, a, a student. I also I want mean, to point out that my alma mater, Alfred University, the mascot was the Saxons. Oh, so I uh, not. I wish it was named after John Saxon, but it was not. No, of course not. Uh, well, now this is where they're like, well, we fucking got to find this guy. <laughs> like, yeah. So they said they they get back to the the um, the lab and they're talking about it and they say we need we need to see if Tommy was was ever seen in the company of john saxon and i love how we're just swapping real names and fake names because i don't remember i don't remember tommy's real name but i always remember john saxon's name yeah of course and then they they say (laughs) like where should we look and carl malden in this weird just goes the bars yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh they're gay (laughs) yeah it's like he knows that he knows what's up he's visited the bars He's he's raided the bars a couple times, but he's also probably raided the bars. You know, so, Ooh. yeah, I would like. Uh, well, and then Karen goes to the to John Saxon's uh, shop to confront him and be, you know, and he backhands her like and knocks her unconscious with a backhand immediately. Which is just like she was out way too long. But again, look at those guns because he's wearing the turtleneck (laughs) and you can just see his hulking out of this turtleneck. (laughs) Getting his shit together, going to hit the road just as Michael Douglas and Carl Malden show up. His arms are like uh, like a bullwhip that they're just like regular arms. But they boiled. Yeah. When you when you whip them out, like by the end of it, it's like it breaks the sound. He's like. Excellent. One of my action figures, like uh, John Saxon has one of those weird, like little like uh, wedges on the back that you put your thumb in and you turn it. <laughs> it's Carl Malden fighting action. I do like so he like peeks out the window, out like the door from the back of his shop and he sees Carl Malden at the front door looking in. And so he then runs to the back, opens it. And I don't know if it's because like the resolution was low, but you just see him like take his suitcase and hit a figure and it's michael douglas but i just thought it was funny that he opens the door <laughs> and then just like clobbers michael douglas with the suitcase well, he, b- before then he goes back to the refrigerator because he still has tommy's insulin and oh he's yeah Karen and, oh, the same way that he off tommy which would it take would uh, 40 
of insulin? Would a normal dose of insulin kill a person? If I they didn't have, I don't know. I, I, it's a good, that's a good question. Yeah. Write us in the comments. Uh, tell yeah. Us let me know how much insulin yeah. it takes to kill a person. <laughs> for, for, for purely scientific uh, entertainment purposes. Well, then we know. get a shootout, which you got to imagine in the 1973 is like, oh, hell yeah. Action on TV. And some broken month. glass here and there. And Malden hits Saxon in the, in the shoulder. Yeah. He just falls down. And then it's like, yeah. Karen is not injected with the insulin. She wakes up um, from the the slap heard around the world. Um, I'm just, mm-hmm. just one of those like 70s TV backhands where it's like, bah! ah, and, and then she's uh, just like, my brain has shut down. I am falling on the yeah. floor. <laughs> I've never been knocked on like being knocked unconscious is just such a trope of fiction that I'm I, I'm always like, how accurate is like the G.I. Joe method of being knocked out where it's like you get punched and it's almost like they're hitting a timer on you. Like you are now inactive for five minutes. You know? Yeah. Like that's I kind think, of, is that I've how it actually works face before? I mean, I've been, how long were you out? Zero hours, <laughs> zero time. I'm just kind of like, we used to do something in karate class where, and this is probably abuse, but you would stand there with your arms behind your back and you, there's mm-hmm. a way to lock your tongue to lock your jaw. You kind of like push your tongue up against the, the roof of your mouth and it locks your jaw. And we would just, they would have somebody backhand us, forehand us, backhand us, forehand us, and just keep going back and forth, just slapping your face. Um, I can take a slap. Most cheese man. <laughs> well, Karen didn't do any of this stuff. Karen's an English major. She's not taking karate. And uh, if you want to see, and if you want to see that in action, go to our YouTube channel where I just did the whole um, hand motion thing Jesus. to show how I was slapped in the face multiple times. And my parents were like, "Oh, you like Ninja Turtles? Do you want to take karate?" And I was like, "No, I'm glad I said no." Uh, <laughs> you probably wouldn't have gone to the same kind of school. Like I took hits. <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, this is also a seven-year-old isn't getting slapped in the face. I hope. I was ten years old when I started, and I oh I God. did not start with any children's classes because my dad wanted to take it with me. Ah. We as a ten-year-old, I was in adult classes. By the time I was eleven or twelve or thirteen, I was taking hits from adults. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus uh, Christ! I feel like was, this is a very. It wasn't just like a like a strip mall taekwondo kind of place. This was just like we'll also teach you like what a street fight's like, and we will also fight without pads some of the time. And you're gonna learn how to land. You're gonna have to, and, and the th- the theory was, uh, no one in the street's gonna hit you harder than someone hits you here. Okay. Uh, so preparing yeah. you for all those fights that mm, yeah. Just- don't happen, but I, know, I'm glad God. they don't happen. Thank God. We don't know what's going to happen uh, in the next couple of years. Um, so, yeah, then we get the epilogue because, you know, she goes to like she goes to like soft jail, right? Like, I mean, she doesn't get away with this. She turned evidence. And yeah, they're like, oh, going yeah, to jail. But they're like, eh, it's not not going to be a lot. She's simple. She was manipulated by this dastardly homosexual <laughs> psychopath. Hulk is hulking homosexuals. Who looks good in a turtleneck? God. And so, so they're back at their office, and then some, like another officer, comes in and hands them, "Hey, you got these two gifts uh, for you." And I think Carl Malden's wearing a really uh, hot, like sleeveless 
sweater vest like cardigan <laughs> i i'm sorry i don't have issues <sighs> um and, and and so they they both get these little presents and they open them and they are uh silver coins silver dollars Ooh boy and but you better Douglas, believe they look up they look up they're worth four dollars a piece now they're he's like we're rich how much are they four dollars a piece how much is that in 2023 money 28 dollars oh i mean hey it's a, like two lunches yeah two yeah. like chipotle lunches I mean, how much, it, uh, only if you get a burrito, not if you get in else. 1973. How much would like how much would a meal cost? Because <laughs> I remember like mean, in the 60s, you'd be like 15 cents gets you a burger, fries and uh, soda. Yeah. Yeah, they're eating for a month. They're paying rent. That's how <laughs> that Michael Douglas is like, just take it out of my coin. <laughs> Do you think people ship them? Oh, yeah. I oh, think, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's two men on a TV show. There are definitely some housewives uh, in the Midwest just trying to figure out what they wanted to do to them. I get the feeling that Carl Malden thinks of sex as something that just makes him mad, like <laughs> everything in his life. It's so just like the idea of it is just like, God damn that sex. <laughs> he hates it like he hates everything in his life. What a what a man. 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 What a, man, what a, what a really man. angry Carl man. Malden. Jesus. Are you ready for some must-have facts? Oh, believe me, I am ready. <laughs> some must-have John Sachs. <laughs> uh, so this uh, episode of uh, Streets of San Francisco was 26th for the week. Ranked 26th, what must-watch pro. But apparently, that was the show's best ratings yet because it had just been moved to Thursdays from, I think, a weekend. So it was like, this was that was good news for them. Yeah. Uh, uh, it was, but it was up against. Oh, you'll you'll get to that. You'll oh get yeah. To, you know so the is. other um the other the top five shows of the week were number five was Mod, four was Hawaii Five O, three was Ironside, starring gay legend Raymond Burr. Uh, right? Yes. Yeah, he was Ironside. Telly Savalas was Kojak. Yes. <laughs> I get all these confused. Uh, just because like you hear Ironside and you think Telly Savalas, <laughs> obviously not. Just, you know, big old Raymond Burr, <laughs> whatever. Uh, two, Sanford and Son, and number one was On the Family. The ABC Thursday night lineup, which I mean, really, like, knowing their audience, programming a night. Mod Squad, followed by Kung Fu, followed by Streets of San Francisco. It's all action. All I mean, first. that's a night. That's a night. <laughs> yeah, it is. I, 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 If I was a kid who was, like, you know, into... 70s stuff i'd be like let's stay up and watch all these yeah. together maybe not streets of san francisco that's a little too mom and dad cop show oh yeah you want was, the yeah, mod, mod squad. squad they were cool mod squad I saw cool kids and oh wait but did both of these get 90s movies kung what did kung fu get did kung fu get like a sequel series it got a it got a sequel series with um in the 90s uh, yeah they got the sequel series with uh Haradine's <laughs> son okay yeah but I saw the Mod Squad movie, which was camera, uh, Claire Danes, Omar Epps, or Mackay Pfeiffer, Mod Squad movie. And I, um, it was Omar Epps and Giovanni Ribisi. Giovanni Ribisi, that's right. Yeah. And because I was like, oh, hell yeah, I like the Mod Squad movie. <laughs> I was also really big into 90s nostalgia for the 70s in the 90s. Kung Fu still has a series out too now. Yeah. 
They did another... or it, unless it got canceled because the CW is just a bloodbath. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff getting canceled. I mean, and, and pulled from existence. So support the strike. Do what you do what you must do to get your content and support the strike. A pirate uh, is always free. Wink. What? Uh, so I have some information about John Saxon that is I had to find out because. So which Bruce? Well, let's do what are you watching first? So like, what are you watching on uh, this night of television on ABC? It was Streets of San Francisco. Joseph Cotton as the elderly owner of a collection of eagles, rare coins that are about to fall prey to a clever thief Um, on CBS. Was an episode of CBS reports. What are we doing to our children? (laughs) (laughs) Which examines the problems of troubled youths growing up in America. Producer Isaac Kleinerman focuses on Atlanta and finds a 10-year-old boy arrested for rock throwing and sentenced to 34 days in a child treatment center. Children in a public housing project living on welfare. 85% of them are without fathers. Okay. How old am I in this in this equation? Well, uh, and then on NBC, we got the D Martin show. Laugh-ins, Ruth Buzzy, comic Lonnie Shore, and 14-year-old ballerina Lori Chino. Comedy, a musical sketch with Dean and Ruth as a divorced couple dividing up their settlement. Also, film clips from MGM's Naughty Marietta, 1935, with Nelson Eddy and Jeanette McDonald. Oh. I mean, You're the age you are now. This is you, you. Oh, no, I'm I'm doing something else. Today, <laughs> not tonight's not it. a TV night. <laughs> tonight, uh, I'll watch. A, tonight is a go out. Tonight is a see live theater. Tonight is a read a book <laughs> night. None of these seem interesting. I would watch Streets of San Francisco, especially if they had done the job of like John Saxon's in this episode. Then I'd be like, yeah. oh, yes. I would, uh, yeah. Honey, we're staying home. You don't have to watch. I'm watching. So the, one of the reasons that, that this moved to a different night was it, it, it was originally competing against Mary Tyler Moore show yeah. and the Bob Newhart show. Yeah, which is. Yeah. So they moved it to Thursdays where it's against yeah. just random junk. Garbage. And fits in, fits in with a good uh, lineup of shows. <clears throat> so when I when we watched this, was he in Game of Death with Bruce Lee? No, he was in Enter the Dragon. He was Enter in the Dragon. Enter the Dragon. So me and my husband watched Enter the Dragon probably in 2020, and he's in it and hot. So I looked him up because I sure knew was. who he was, uh, and and I saw that he had died recently, and he died in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, which is oh. where I am from. Hmm. So he died in my hometown, and I was like, "What?" Because he's was born in like Brooklyn, like he's he's a, an Italian from New York. So how did he end up there? So I did research on figuring this out and it's uh, him and his wife, Gloria. So they actually moved to the heritage, which is an old folks or like, it's more like a retirement community. Uh, So it's not like, it's like lightly assisted living. You know, I think, I think they probably had their own apartment and like, yeah. Uh, In 2017, rather than just retire in Los Angeles, as Gloria said in 2017, when they moved, I didn't want him Standing outside in the backyard looking at the ocean all day, I searched for a long time to find a place that we liked. At the Heritage, they really have an understanding of care that you don't get in other places. They have more activities. We have 24-7 access to everything, and we can keep our dog. And in Los Angeles, the traffic is bad, and it takes you forever to get out. We can go in and out much easier here. 
which and also like Brentwood is the nice. It is a very expensive. I mean, I never yeah. went to Brentwood. Brentwood was the home of the Cool Springs Galleria, which was the nice mall. So oh. I didn't we would go there. But like going to Cool Springs was like a big, a big deal. I do remember Cool Springs at one point, I think, had a comic book kiosk in uh, like the early 90s where like someone was selling comics. And that might be where I got Gambit's first appearance on Candy Two. You can find some really neat things. I there, there used to be a guy selling in Union Square. And for like 20 bucks, I got a literal golden age detective comics Jesus. Where, where it was the the issue where they show Batman's dad in the old Batman suit. Like ah. 20 bucks. I still have it and still have all my comics. I, should, I love finding. Yeah, I do, too. So and also uh, so when he moved in, though, many of the residents at the Heritage were fans of his. And so two residents in particular requested screenings of his classic movies, and it turned into a five-day screening of ah. Saxon movies. And then they also did that again. When he died, they had another like five-day like festival of John Saxon movies that his wife threw. So Aww. and I think she's probably still there because I don't she hasn't died. Uh but yeah, I'm you know. Yeah, it made I was like, why the fuck would he move to Murfreesboro? But Brentwood <laughs> makes more sense because Brentwood is super ritzy. And also that heritage place looks nice. I looked up the website. Oh, yeah. 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 I don't know how well, expensive it is. John Saxon, R.A.P., but you died in style. So yeah. we'll give you we'll give you those points amongst fans. <laughs> I don't know. I just I just I've been a fan. I knew I just remember knowing about him in the 80s and the 90s when I was growing up. He's in the Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode Mitchell. Oh, uh, he plays Dini. His last name is Dini, uh, where his character is in the first half committing a crime. And then halfway through, they just they they drop that plot and they just say that he he was killed over like a like a phone conversation and his plot just vanishes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's just, he's just one of those guys that if you see if you see him and you say that's John Saxon, you know, who you'll know who that is. Yeah, he would, he would make a great red skull. Yeah, the buff, hot skull with, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with anyway, uh, on IMDb, 136 Streets of San Franciscans. Oh, I also wanted to point out, I tried to find any fucking gay news from February 1973 when this aired in San Francisco. So I was searching all the San Francisco newspapers, nothing uh, I like Harvey Milk had moved to San Francisco in 1972 and he was uh, working at Castro Camera, which was his camera shop. And so I was like looking up Castro Camera, which uh, they first appear in the news in late 73 in like mm -hmm. October because they're selling. They're one of the places you can go to get tickets to this like show that's being put on, which I'm assuming was probably a gay show. Um, yeah. And so I was like just trying to find and I was trying to find like reactions to this episode. Like people writing in newspapers complaining, didn't find any of that. I tried to find anything about gays being on TV and people being mad about that. Didn't. So, yeah, I did try to find more. It was very I mean, it was very lightly gay content. It was yeah. not like this was longing looks, a touch on the arm and a promise that they're going to be together. That's and. It was the same as last week's as the Alfred Hitchcock thing where it's like uh, queerness is coded as dangerous, like the eve, the bad person is yeah. like it's there to unsettle the viewer, like the viewer was supposed to see 
John Saxon touching Tommy and giving him his insulin. It's, it's like, oh, God, there, I'm, I'm sure there were people in middle America who are like, oh, they, they must be very good friends. Yes, they, they, <laughs> that's his nurse. Um, Yeah, so 136 people gave this a 7.2 on IMDb. Would you go higher or lower based on all of the other Streets of San Francisco episodes you have? <laughs> I, you know what? I would, I would say this is a solid seven. I don't know about a seven point. Yeah, two. yeah, I don't. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think for a first episode, I felt it felt good. I mean, I feel like I understand the dynamics. It's long, like it, it felt longer than the other long episodes that we've watched. It's a fifty minute, you know, because back can, then we got more content and less commercials. You can find it on Daily Motion. That's where we found it. There, there's been a, a DVD set released of it but it's not streaming anywhere besides daily motion well and i think it's also in holland because <laughs> i think all the daily motion listings say deutsch and then i i did notice that robert wagner was in the pilot which was yes, a two-hour movie and so i was like well i 100 percent need to see how fucking hot robert wagner is in this episode and so i found it and it's a clip on youtube and they're all speaking dutch <laughs> <laughs> it's dubbed but you can still see his glorious sideburns and the leather jacket and oh uh who had the musty performance in this episode i'm giving it to john saxon's biceps <laughs> i'm giving it to the john saxon entire package the way he spoke <laughs> the way he looked the way he killed people just mm. Mm, just john saxon having fun having a good time so this this is probably where we should have said, if you don't know, we should have said this at the beginning. If you don't know John Saxon, look him up and look at a picture so you know who we're talking about <laughs> reverently for the last hour. <laughs> He's just like you like in the old comics where it's like the wimp at the beach who sees the dude with muscles and he's like if i eat these sea monkeys i'll get muscles like or whatever it is like he looks like the after or he he looks like um flex mentallo or whatever right yeah he would make a like, great flex mentallo yeah. just as good a red skull as a flex mentallo yeah i mean like colossus you'd need more of a flat top though he wouldn't do a flat top he always did the, the comb yeah. over yeah uh, hot coma. Must other people see this episode? Uh, yes. I mean, yeah, if it sounds interesting from what we said, if you're into coins and Michael Douglas, nasally Michael Douglas. This was, and The Streets of San Francisco was a show that it was a guest star every episode. It yeah, wasn't, you can probably find one like, that has someone you love. Yeah, it wasn't just like, and the big guest this week, Joseph Cotton and John Saxon. John Saxon wasn't even a big star then, but like you'd find you just go down the list and be like, oh, it's like Love Boat, where like every week there'd be like a new celebrity to interact yeah. with everybody. Or like Poker Face. I like those kind of shows. That's what, yeah. you know, watching Columbo and it's like, oh, you know, this one has that one woman. <laughs> I can't think of any guest stars at the top of my head right now. Uh, but yeah, uh, that so that brings us to the end of the 1970s. Journey through uh, Pride. We do know what we're going to do next week, unless, you know, just who knows what's happening. But we're going to go for uh, an episode of the sitcom, the 1983 to 1984 sitcom. Oh, Madeline, starring Madeline Kahn. Yes, this was Madeline Kahn's short lived sitcom, which I am excited to see. What was so wrong with it that they did not keep Madeline Kahn's fucking sitcom on the air? God, like, it's Madeline Kahn. It's like, 
the funniest woman of the 70s and 80s. Like, I mean, just. I think can't we, wait. once we hit, like, once we get past the 90s, we're going to have to do a run of like shows that lasted more than one season. These are fascinating. Because <laughs> we did Monty. We're going to do Oh, Madeline. Like, Bosom Buddies only did two seasons. Yeah. Like, we'll do, we'll do all hits. But the pin, the 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 next to last episode of Oh Madeline episode seventeen, play Crystal for me, involves uh, Madeline disguises herself as a flamboyant author so she can appear on a TV talk show with a competing romance novelist, Charles Ludlam, who is a man posing as a woman. Charles Ludlam is a bona fide homosexual, an out like a probably queer activist, award winning playwright. So it'll be exciting to learn more about him and to talk about this. Uh, episode with gay icon Madeline Kahn, like with the flames <laughs> on the side of my face. <laughs> and well, uh, yeah, and then and then it'll be the 90s, which who knows? And then after that, uh, summer baby. Yeah, summer baby. Summer baby. I can't believe it only lasted whenever. Uh, Ethan, where can people find you to, to talk about their favorite John Saxon movie? Check me out on EthanK55 on Instagram. I've actually had people write in and say that they like the show, so thank you so oh, much for that. Uh, and people like people like my t-shirts. So yeah, Creature from the Black Lagoon. Jeez, people can write in to me too, God. Um, <laughs> at uh, On Instagram at, at Brett White or my drag account, which needs to be more active, but I need to do things uh, at Barb Hardly and please rate and review the show in iTunes please watch on YouTube and rate and subscribe there and do things you know what do whatever you want we're not making any money off of this we're not doing this for money so all the things that no people would normally ask you to do because they want to make bank we don't we're not asking you that we just want to talk we're not sponsored by anybody. We don't have to do commercials for except, anybody. Except ACAST will put commercials in these, so I have no it. But hey, I, I don't know who they are. Uh, <laughs> they do? I've never... Sometimes. Oh. It might be once it hits a listener threshold. Ah. But, I mean, in the past, I have made $50 in one year from this podcast. So, Wow. Oof, getting nice nickels and dimes from some of these. Anyway, I have, uh, fun, I have a fun question for everyone who's sticking around just at the end. I'm trying. I'm thinking of starting to sell some of the stuff from my collection, and it's 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 weird stuff. It is comic books. It is um, art. It is things just like books, old books, things that I I just don't have space for anymore. R right into the the podcast and be like. Ethan, this is how you should sell this kind of stuff. I'm thinking of putting together like an Instagram account that just like post everything and, and sell it that way. I don't know. I'm you playing do around tags. with tags. Yeah, it's hard figuring that stuff out. It is, right? I don't know. And well, eBay is just annoying. The post office sucks. Uh, but yeah, everybody hang out, say hi, do things, keep celebrating and uh, keep it keep it happening. Keep it real. Keep it Keep crappening. It Keep it sleazy. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. 
Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.